Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Locked up. 
11 years old, my first time that I caught a felony. Can't believe a criminal made it. Voice traveled over the seven seas. Used to shop and swap and sell his blue racks all on Dreams come true. I still remember when they told me I was going be shit. When I was stuck at the bottom, they forgot about me. And I wouldn't set them my call. Remember the days I was taking the buses. If I was a foot, I was running from love. 1338 trapped on my shorts. Black electricity tank wrapped around the hands. Grew up as a band. Came up from work and they showed me exactly what plans do. Let's go. Kill them with success, exactly what my plans do. Haters, I can't stand you. Running circles round them with finesse. Up a less on my Chevy when I flex. Yes, don't wake up for the one as I'm taking respect. And ain't nobody giving me sh that I'm taking the bread. <laughs> I grew up with the treacherous, lost angels, whatever with the devil lives. God bless my soul, being cursed since I was a kid. In a family home full of love is what I wasn't in. Flipping to success, and yes, I put that. Just a kid in the cold, all alone, I wonder how. God bless the child that holds his own, that holds his own. God bless the child that holds his own, that holds his own. Listen, my first role model. The same spot he used to serve it. Victim of the game, I didn't perpetrate the same. First memory of a homie getting decent. His next door neighbor was blasting things. Across the street was a connect, so it was all in the same. A sick society. Grew up where the homies used to preach. Neighborhood love, brainwash. Figure the God, can you catch me if you see me? Back in the days, I used to blessing things. Insane was all in. I used to hear the penitentiary. Calling the past, now with this rap, yeah, I'm balling. Grew up with the treacherous, lost angels, whatever with the devil lives. God bless my soul, being cursed since I was a kid. In a family home full of love is what I wasn't in. Flipping to success, and yes, I put that on my soul. Just a kid in the cold, all alone, I wonder how. God bless the child that holds his own, that holds his own. God bless the child that holds his own, that holds his own. To my surprise, I triple the things that I do. Yeah, I guess these dreams come true. <laughs> Shot through the sky and guess my watch is straight for the sake of the blues. I guess these dreams come true. I'm yeah. riding them houses, broken to go to concerts. Remember, yeah. even at that scene in the midst, we used to buy first. These thick clouds of smoke at times I lose hope, but still, no matter what I see it through, I guess these dreams come true. Straight for the bottom, hit the game full throttle. Us like semi represented like my Latinos and the homies that's in the bottom. And I got the gangster It's Mr. Criminal that they mentioned. I remember learning this flow behind the barbed wire in the fences. Used to smoke in the back of the cut that's over my eyes and that was bands. Still remember the 11 years and 9 months I ducked that sense. Still I'm finding myself like all of my knees, asking God for repentance. Imagine the life I've seen in my eyes before. These Versace lenses, empty bullet cases all over the pavement. It's sacks of dough. I used to sit and drink to one day be famous. I had to hold Practice my patience, waiting my turn, I had to be still And not from Cyprus at home, but had to be real <laughs> Just over my eyes, still to my surprise, I triple the things that I do Yeah, I guess these dreams come true <laughs> Shot through the sky, and guess my watch is straight for the sake of the blues I guess these dreams come true I'm riding them houses, broke his to go to concerts Remember, even at that scene in the midst, we used to buy first These thick clouds of smoke, at times I lose hope, but 
young buck living off dumb luck. Dumb fuck hit with the dump truck. Four five clock jump up. Beat you down, you get lumped up. We never play games on the come up. Mind frame on insane with your heart rate all pumped up. Ingested in the beast belly. Hell is hot, but the weed smelly. Many plot cause they all jelly. Every thrive what they all tell me. Handle mine with no emotion. I hit the block, free wheel motion. Flicking ass out the window coasting. Green thumb, slow roasting. Street life to the show host in a small pond in a damn motion. Big dreams, only one notion. Flip the game, make a name boasting when your name's spoken. At the fame soaking by the same token, we came broken. Stay smoking to keep level. All focus, my mindset. <laughs> Over my eyes, still to my surprise, I triple the things that I do. Yeah, I guess these dreams come true. <laughs> Shot through the sky, guess my watch is right for the sake of the blues. I guess these dreams come true. I'm running through houses, broke his to go to concerts. Remember, and even at that scene in the mix, we used to buy first. All these thick clouds of smoke at times, I lose hope, but still, no matter what, I seen it through. I guess these dreams come true. <laughs> I never be locked up my whole life. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. 
As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. To my surprise, I triple the things that I do. Yeah, I guess these dreams come true. <laughs> Shot through the sky, guess my watch is straight for the sake of the blues. I guess these dreams come true. From running new houses, broke to go to concert. Remember, even at that scene in the meets, we used to buy first. These big clouds of smoke at times, I lose hope, but still no matter. Oh, wow. To my surprise, I triple the things that I do. Yeah, I guess these dreams come true. <laughs> Mr. Criminal on air live. Network podcast support the new crime family network podcast. I support crime family entertainment. And I'm supporting the crime family network podcast. The most vacation podcast on the West Coast. <laughs> Mr. Criminal on air live. We back at it. First leap year of our podcast, February 29th, 2024. And we back at it with another episode. Fresh off vacation, fresh off a couple weeks, hitting the jackpots, tables, pinball machines, top dollar, blackjack tables, all that until the sun comes up. But we back at it. Much love and respect to all my people out there. You know how we do it, Mr. Criminal on air live. And tonight, 
We got a legend in the legal game. We got the most famous attorney on the West Coast. The homie attorney Rosen Rosenberg. What's poppin', homeboy? Hey, first of all, much love for having me. Uh, proud sponsor of the show. Absolutely. Fan of what you do. And like you were saying before, this is Leap Day. Yeah. It's magic. It only happens every four years. So, yeah. knock on wood. And me and the homie, uh, been trying to get this popping for a minute, but he's always busy with the very important cases. And we had to be very patient with his schedule because the homie had to lend us some time off of his schedule. You know, he has a lot of things going on. Very, very responsible, homie. Uh, but he does get it in with the West Coast. Saw him at the show with Conejo. Uh, done a lot of things with him. He was in our, in, our, in our video with King Little G, America's Most Wanted. Showed up in the middle of doing what he had to do. Uh, you know, came straight from the courthouse and said, I'm right here, whatever you need from us. So shout out to the homie, Attorney Rosenberg, our number one and most solid and most loyal sponsor. And as we say that, we want to get into our sponsors of the week. First and foremost, shout out to everybody out there getting their criminal defense lawyer. If you need it, tap it with Los Angeles criminal defense lawyer, Nicholas Rosenberg. That's right, at Attorney Rosenberg on Instagram. You could also go ahead and tap into his website, nicholasrosenberg.com. Criminal defense lawyer in Los Angeles, California, and all surrounding areas. With the famous slogan, punching back. You know how we do it. Also... We got Matthews Arcade. Shout out to Matthews Arcade giving us all the game. You know how it goes down. Much love and respect to all the people tapping in with the attorney, attorney Rosenberg, Matthews Arcade. And we got Crime Family Entertainment, where you could get all the brand new merchandise. www.crimefamilyentertainment.com. Brand new album will be up for pre-order very soon. And we got the membership section. Shout out to all my members in the membership section, $9.99 a month. Early access to new videos, private live streams, and more. But tonight, we have one of our solid sponsors in the building. And we're going to go ahead and give him his flowers right here, right now. Homie, I think you got to be, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. I think you are the most active, the most famous, and the most well-known attorney in Southern California, not just L.A. And the, and the homies know you from back in the days. They were like, you tapping in with the homie that was in all over the billboards, all over the benches with the boxing shorts and the gloves. Yeah. That's dope, homie. It's, it's dope how you were able to how you were able to market that. Cause when I told the homies, the homies couldn't believe it. They were like, I tried to tap in with them before, dog. I was I was hood in the streets, dog. I couldn't afford them. I had to get a public pretender. So mm. it's a, it's amazing that the homies remember you and, and you've been in your with your foot in the game this long. But before we get into your story, you know how we usually do it. Shout out to the hood TMZ. What? We back, dog. What's up, man? How you guys doing? I heard yes, you were sir. filing for unemployment because I was gone for yeah, so long. Yeah, bro. I got accepted and everything. You can't do that, dog. You got to wait till I come back. You got to be uh, patient, homie. Yeah. What's cracking up? <laughs> what, what do I we was have? I'm still working. I did not stop working. I know. I'm just BSing. I think oh. I was in the unemployment line. <laughs> it's all love, though. What's cracking? What you got right, on the so news? I got, I got one news story right now. Let's see. Let's go. AT&T network services outage that left tens of thousands of customers across the U.S. without calling or data cap capabilities. Was that real? Yeah, man, for hours. And um, it is now under investigation by New York's top prosecutor, New York Attorney General Letitia James. She announced on Thursday that she will be investigating the cause of it. Damn. So the blackout saw users unable to make calls, send texts, access Internet for up to 12 hours, many unable to call 911. So at its peak, AT&T saw more than 71,000 of its customers out of with with no service. 
That's and crazy. Guess what AT&T did? What's that? They said uh, after, days after the blackout, AT&T said it would apply a five dollar credit to affected customers. That's insane, homie. <laughs> and five people bucks. are paying people are paying a lot more money than that monthly for their for their bills, homie. What what do you think about with about that, Big Dog? So in the law, we have something called a class action lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And when you have an injury, let's say there's an injury for a million people. Yeah. So the way class actions work is the attorneys are the ones who get a percentage of the settlement. But the individual consumer will get a check for $4.36. Wow. But there's a million of them. Yeah. So this is the logic and the rationale that AT&T is doing. They're chopping it up with the 71000 offering a $5 credit. They should give you the whole month free, right? That's insane. That's insane. I think you should get a whole year free if someone was <laughs> actually hurt and had to call 911 right. and they were asked out. What about yeah. those people? People might might have lost their lives off of that. I mean, damn. That, that changes things, right? That Obviously. changes everything, dog. I mean, yeah. if well, I, that could if be was... what we call a cause of action, okay. meaning they might have the ability to sue. Okay. But that's all civil, those words, that's civil. Yeah. Um, so I try to stay in my lane yeah. with, with the criminal. I see. I'm so, with the criminal. Hey, you're with the criminal <laughs> right now. It's all love, man. And shout out to, to the homie. He said, you know what? He's so fly. He came in Gucci down Look at him. with a silk blue suit. Damn. He said, dog, the, 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 the headphones are going to throw off my game, dog. <laughs> I got to stay away from the headphones. So, right. so we Fresh, gave the homie bro. his flowers and we say, you don't have to rock the headphones, homie. We could rock it just like this. So we're going to go ahead and take over like this. But yeah, what else you got on the news? Well, look, I, I don't know much about it, but I was very interested when I heard you guys talking about uh, Trump and Biden. I guess they went to the border. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Attorney Rosenberg. I know that that's a lot. A lot of uh, people are in an uproar over that. I know a lot of people uh, have a lot of different views. What do you think about that? Well, what's interesting is they went to the border in Texas, which has seen a decrease in the border crossings. Yeah. Right now, the hot spot is San Diego, San Ysidro. So there we have increases in uh, crossing. So the first thing is they, always, they use this word migrant. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know what a migrant is, right? It used to be a migrant worker. That's what they use. It used to be you immigrate to the United States. So yeah. they used to say immigrant. Now they say migrant. That's crazy. So I don't even know what that means. But Biden went to Texas and what he's trying to do is secure support for he's he wants to tighten up the border because he's vulnerable from Trump. Mm. So this fool, he wants to do mass deportations. Wow. He's rallying his base with that. So what does that mean? Um, so just so you know, my first wife was an immigration lawyer. Okay. So I actually have operated in that space. So they used to have work raids. If you remember the remember. work raids in the 80s when ICE would come yeah. and just mass arrests. Like Born so, in East L.A., the movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Copy that. Copy yeah. that. So what I'm saying is, is that whatever your views are on the border, it has repercussions for a city like L.A. where, where I'm at. Yeah. But San Diego, and uh, we were, I was talking with a baby girl about a case I did in El Centro. Wow. So you're down there with the, you know, the white Jeeps with the green stripe. Yeah. Border Patrol. Yeah. Right? And that's their HQ down Damn, there. That's crazy. Yeah. And what, what do you think? That's going to have a lot of repercussion when it comes to financial, with a lot of taxpayers' money. A lot of different people. Everybody on both sides of the, the, the argument, I think they both have 
legitimate arguments. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy because I feel like as a humanitarian point of view, people have the right to come here and escape whatever uh, trials and tribulations they have on the other side of the border. But then as Americans that pay taxes, I think we also have a, a, a healthy argument that, you know, we have homeless people out here, people that aren't being taken care of in the streets. But we're taking care of them. So it's just it's just it's it's a very delicate situation and an argument to be had. Well, you know, some people have said, you know, the f- term anchor baby. Yeah. OK, so that that's something that the MAGA people, you know, that's their station. OK, but there are some people who have said that we should change the law. And if you're born here, you don't necessarily have citizenship. Damn. So that's an extreme uh, reaction to this idea of citizenship, uh, nat- naturalization. Um, so anyways, um, you know, I try to stay out from all the politics. Yeah. I try to focus on my clients. And there's a lot of politics just with staying with that. I see. And right? what, what you do took a long time to get there. I want to I want to break down all the way to the beginning of your upbringing, how you decided to even get into this field, because it's it's obviously not easy work. It's obviously a lot of attention to fine detail and you're defending people with their lives. So what gave you the, the drive to even become who you are today? Sure. No, I appreciate that. Um, so first, I want to give a shout out to public school. Right. I was one of those. We called it mentally gifted minors. Now they call it gate. OK, but I had blessed teachers. I was blessed with good teachers and I was able, I was with like special ed, but for the smart kids. Okay. Right. So we did a lot of creative stuff. Uh, we were able to f- discover things on our own. We, we weren't taught to the test like you see nowadays. So I'll give a shout out to my teachers. I'm a West Sider, Fairfax High. Uh, when I was there in Hollywood, it was the era of the musicians. Okay. So we had Slash was wow. uh, when I was 15 he was a senior damn that's dope and he used to perform I remember one time he played like you know the school outdoor the stage yeah so he was playing but he was going like like he was jamming but he would find the time to go like that at the audience wow he was already a rock star that's dope right had a signature and then uh, so Flea Flea went to our high school too so for me as a Jewish guy in Hollywood how can I be cool when you have like that's cool, right? Yeah. Like real rock stars. Yeah. So that was that was like Rosenberg in high school. Uh, I was a member of every clique. That's dope. Right. So like the homies, I play ball. So no offense, but all the Negros knew Rosenberg. They called me Conan because okay. my hair was long and that's right. I used to wear kung fu. You know those articulated kung fu. I was a yeah. raider. I played okay. like a raider. Right. Got we it. Had, Got it. We had late hits. We had fights. So I grew up playing ball, but also smartest kid in the school. Hell yeah. So I've always had, like, I had the respect. And, you know, remember, when, when we went to school, you know, it was like, those were like the the, the bloods, right? Yeah. Those were the homies, right? So, um, but like I sometimes say as a joke, they taught me how to fight. And they taught me how to dance, right? That's okay, so uh, when I graduated, I had a 4.3 GPA. I had 20 units of college credit. 
I was trying to go to Stanford, but I, I went to Berkeley. And Berkeley is a public school, it's a great school, but it's competitive. So everyone there is like a super genius, right? So you have to like claw your way to the top. So when I was in, in school, I was a philosophy major, which was my pre-law major, right? And I studied architecture. So I had an artistic side. Um, I was like an architectural critic. That's what they, they said, that I should be a critic. So what's my point? I was also pre-med. I was supposed to be a brain surgeon. So I would sit in the organic chemistry and get the highest A while doing philosophy and while doing architecture. Wow. So if you say, Rosenberg, how does this all add up? Uh, after I graduated, I went to film school because I wanted to be an art director. Damn, that's dope. You've seen all sides. So how does it help me as a lawyer is when I'm in trial, I'm the director of a movie, which is my client's case. Damn. So I'm presenting his or her story to the jury. So that's how it kind of all comes together. Before law school, I was a community organizer in the high crime, uh, low income neighborhood in San Francisco, the Tenderloin, pretty much like Skid Row. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you step over needles. We used to step over the crack pipes. You see the homies getting high on the sidewalk. And we used to bring students in to show them the Tenderloin. And I would always tell them, look, when they're smoking, you're good. You're good. Don't worry, because they're in their zone. It's when that shit wears off. Yeah. That's when you got to watch your back. Yeah, when they're coming down. Damn, so I got involved with the San Francisco sheriffs. I was in uh, a project called Prisoner Legal Services. And we used to have full access to the jail. And we were like the building inspectors of the jail. So I, you know, the attorneys just go to the attorney room, but we would go to the safety cells. We would go to the SVPs. We could go inside the module. We could visit with people. So I was suited up. So they always called me psych. They thought I was the, the doctor that was going to give them. So I would walk by and all the homies in the tier, you know, they're like, hey, psych, psych, psych. Because they want something from you. Yeah. So through all of that, public safety, community organizing, shutting down crack houses in the late 90s and early uh, millennium, I've always been in the criminal justice world. Wow. That's that's deep. Yeah. That's that's a that's a front row seat to some real real life trauma, to some real life struggle, to some real life opportunity to see what the people are really going through. Because a lot of people are only seeing it from college point of view and reading it out of textbooks. You actually had a chance to go in there and get your get your your, your feet wet, so to say in the real life struggles of what was going on. So when your clients start coming at you, you really understand the language of the streets and what was really going on around you. That's that's special, bro. Not a lot of people got to, uh, I think, experience stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. What would you say was some of your craziest moments in the tenderloins or those moments when you were going through those, those hoods and those projects? What would be like one right. of the craziest things that stood out to you? Well, so what we... Sometimes I jokingly refer to it as I was a drug war spy mm -hmm. because I used to take photos of the people serving up the crack on the corner. Mm -hmm. But we were suing the property owners 
to clean up their property oh, okay. under a theory. So we weren't criminalizing, but I went to the meetings with the cops. So I knew the chief, you know, the captain, city attorney's office, code enforcement. So whenever there was a shooting in the hood, we knew the story. You already knew what happened. So there was this one time this dude was in a wheelchair. Uh, this is an older black dude. And he shot someone. And as you know, from the recoil, when he shot, he went back. And I was living in the loin, as we call it. Uh, I lived at Hyden Turk, okay. which was basically right near Little Saigon. And then, you know, the prostitutes are nearby and it's open, open air uh, drug market. So I would be two blocks away. So my law school essay, the first sentence was, I live where the sirens stop. So you'd hear the siren, right? And if it goes by you, it's not you. But when you hear the siren and it goes, and you know, fuck, dude, someone just got shot. Wow. So that's the loin. But at the same time, it's a rich community of leaders. So I work with religious leaders, community leaders, activistas, and San Francisco is very progressive politically. So I ended up becoming the director of my nonprofit. And then through that, I got involved with local politics. Wow. And what I say is that everything I learned in the neighborhood has made me the businessman I am today, right? Keep your word. Imagine what you say to that one person will be said at a community meeting to everybody. Right? So that's how I run my law firm. Wow. It's amazing. What would you say would be, if any, the differences that, that you've seen in the Tenderloin up in San Francisco to the streets of L.A. when you were doing work on both sides? Like, what would you say would be the difference that you've seen? Well, the difference is that San Francisco is a very dense city and it's a walkable city. So we were part of something called the Lower Eddy Task Force which was funded when they built the Moscone Center with public bonds. So the neighborhood, we had a million dollars to control. And you don't really have Skid Row, you know, near the uh, Cajones, you know, 3rd, 5th Street by the Central Police Station. That's concentrated, but you don't have the hotels. So San Francisco, you've got the hotels and you've got the single room occupancy hotels we call them the SROs mm -hmm. and those are people that are on the verge of homelessness to some extent so that's a difference also Los Angeles politically I would say is dominated by the labor unions whereas in San Francisco you've got the city and county funding nonprofits. So what we were dealing with in the 2000s, right? Homelessness. 20 years later, we're dealing with it here in LA. Wow. That's crazy. So they were yeah. ahead of the time as far as poverty. They were way, well, way, way more advanced with it. So, you know, I mean, we can talk progressive politics and maybe some people are, maybe they're not. Um, people have asked me, Rosenberg, they see my flag pin and I say, you know, no te preocupes de mi bandera. Because to me, the flag belongs to everybody, right? Yeah. So I don't let the far right people, you know, get in my way. And then I also say, uh, so the U.S. attorneys, the assistant U.S. attorneys, we call them AUSAs, assistant U.S. attorneys in the feds. So I always say I out USA 
the AUSAs. Wow. Right? That's crazy. So, um, so in Los Angeles, it's, we're spread out. And as a result, the community organizers, traditionally, it's been hard to get them together. But now with social media, hmm. the organizers are able to find each other and connect. Wow. And that's how I, I hooked up with Checkpoint. You know Checkpoint, right? Nah, I don't. Always film the police. Shout out, uh, Mr. Checkpoint. I'm on his board of directors for the Always for the People Foundation. Okay. We're doing um, some jury service initiatives, fighting felony murder, uh, raising awareness for citizens about their rights when they encounter law enforcement. So when I got involved with Checkpoint, this would be in 2017 when I started my Instagram, I saw that he was a moderator of a public safety conversation. So I, I went and met with him and I gave him a book about community organizing because when we were doing it, we had the older generation, right? We had the hippies. We had the community organizers. Yeah. My boss was a two striker who did 10 years in, you know, VSW and Chowchilla. And she was the one that shot called the riots. Wow. Okay. So she got clean and sober and she's the one that discovered Rosenberg in the TL. Okay. Wow. So we worked with a lot of ex offenders, right? People who have been to prison, people who did dope. She introduced me. We had a dude, he was with the black Panthers, bro, mm -hmm. back in the day. So with all these life experiences, right? When my clients come in, you know, I know what it's like to have the cops light you up and to be scared. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. I know what it's like to have people say, Rosenberg, you know, I'm, I'm DWB, right? I'm driving while black, right? I understand. Now, have I been targeted like that? Not necessarily, but I understand it. I understand the fear that people have with the cops. And I understand that. And I'm blessed, you know, when I go to do a jail visit, they let me out, right? So whenever I'm out, I'm, I'm blessed, bro. Cause I know my clients have told me over the years what it's like. And I, I see it when I, when I see them. And I've said this before, you have about 30 seconds with the new client when they're scanning you and they're going to say, this dude's full of shit or this is a real one. Yeah. Especially if you've been to prison, right? For sure. Because, you know, it's like, right? So, and I've told this story before. Uh, when I first started in 2011, I did cases with Homeboy Industries and they gave me a case. Uh, it was a robbery with a strike prior with the gang enhancement. So, two, three, five. Uh, he could get 10 on that plus 10 for the gang enhancement at 85% uh, percent for the robbery. So my client was, and I can't say the hood, but they're famous for their graffiti. They're down in, in South LA. Um, and he was so blasted out because I, I'd done gang cases as a public defender in juvie, but it wasn't like the LA culture, right? So I saw my client and I was like, I've never seen anybody like that. But he taught me to look through the bars and look at his eyes. So I had to learn 
to not let all that stuff get in my way. And I repped him on that. I got him three years and he was happy. Wow. He ended up with his celly. They, you know, they say they raided his house, right? So they found a hacksaw blade, two phones, and three shanks. So this dude, um, I can say he was from Puente, okay? So big neighborhood. And my client got me that prison case. It was an ad charge, right? So he was serving time on a 245B. Uh, he got nine years on that high term, which he didn't have a good lawyer. Um, but my client reached out to me. And I was like, look, when the homies reach out, you respond. So I did that prison case. I ended up getting him, uh, I think, one year. But I would go to Sacramento once a month on the Friday prison calendar. So the prison calendar, dude, this this should be a show, okay? So the prison, old Folsom, they don't want to drive the inmates to court. So they have video court. And the public defenders have an office uh, basically like inside the prison where they do their interviews. But... I would try to get my client transported so I could talk to him. And he was a funny guy because I would try to throw Spanish at him. And he's like, Rosenberg, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and I would keep, I would keep like say, hey, palabra, man, listen. And he's like, Rosenberg, <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. So anyways, two guys stood out on the prison calendar. They were like twins and they were pro per and they had long braids. So these two dudes are appearing in front of the judge with their shades on from video, from ad charges. And I was like, bro, I've never seen anything like this. Wow. So I do learn stuff with every case. If you're not learning something new as a lawyer, then you should, you should pack it up, roll it up, right? Straight up. So my clients are the ones who have taught me because I learned how to learn from them, right? That makes sense. Because they're in the life, right? I have clients, I can't say names, but I have guys who have been locked up for 40 years. Now, do you think they know something about prison that I don't? They're like my professor, right? Absolutely. So I learned how to learn from my client. And when my client and I are like this, right? Like during jury trial, I'll put my arm on my client, we whisper, we pass notes, because I want the jury to know that even though it's first degree gang murder by firearm, I'm not afraid of my client. He's a person. I'm humanizing my client. Mm. And the jurors watch, because you know, and this is something you know my clients do. They don't always understand the legal terms, right? So we argue a motion, and they don't know. But there's one thing my clients know very well, and that's body language. So they always tell me, yeah, Rosenberg, when you said that, the DA got really mad. And then I saw that the DA made the judge mad, right? So they know, like, the raw mm -hmm. emotions inside the courtroom. That makes sense. And jurors are the same way, right? Nobody wants to be on a jury. So, you know, this is what I say. Uh, there's 10,000 LAPD. There's 1,000 district attorneys, 250 city attorneys. Yeah. So if Rosenberg causes the fumble and I get the not guilty, I keep the win. For the homies. That's dope.
right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm passionate about this work because it's very hard to get a fair trial if you're an alleged gangster, right? Those are the people that everyone will cross the other side of the street, right? They don't like the graffiti. So I've had cases. Uh, I did a big case. I can speak on it. Uh, it was Florencia versus the East Coast Crips. And I got my client a not guilty. There's a lot of backstory on that case. But getting the not guilty verdict when my client's DNA was at the crime scene, right? And how did I do it? I presented a story to the jury about a flawed LAPD investigation. And they were able... So what I did is... Um, so the decedent in that case was African-American, right? East Coast Crip. Mm. But I left three black jurors on the jury. And most people say, Rosenberg, are you crazy? This is black versus brown. But I knew there was this one lady, 60 years old from Chicago, and I knew that she didn't trust the cops. Okay. I knew it. So I composed my jury and I called my gang expert, which is shout out Alex Alonso. Uh, that's my gang expert. And as I always say, when I have Alex, uh, I win. So tapping into the emotions, I got the jury to distrust the cops and the gang cops and the theory of the prosecution. So those that's the power that a trial lawyer can have. Wow. That's amazing, bro. And people don't realize the type of... Uh... The type of background and, and, and the connections and all the the hard work that people got to put in just to defend somebody. Because mm -hmm. like you say, you have to call in experts. You have to get DNA stuff. There's so many different moving parts that go into it. What would you say is the most challenging part that, that, that comes along in these trials? And what's the point, what's the thing that you enjoy the most when it comes to defending your clients? So... When you're in trial, it's like being in a movie, right? Mm -hmm. The jurors are scrutinizing your every move, right? So I always, I have to exude this persona. And I'm kind of like a ham, right? I'm an attention whore, whatever it is. <laughs> so I go into actor mode, okay? right? That's my jury. That's my audience of 12 plus two alternates. But I also have to put on a show with the judge. Okay. Because the judge has the power to slap me down and shut down my trial strategy. So it's also like juicing the deputy. So I get a favor with my client who's locked up, who got up at 3 a.m. to come down to CCB from Wayside, right? And I've had clients during trial, they're just, they're tore up, right? And so it's incredibly challenging work. But like I said, uh, so... You know, we, we did one of the, the big guys, right? I don't want to speak on it too much, but a seven-week trial. Okay. And so much prison gang evidence came out. His celly flipped on him. He testified for 12 hours. I did the closing argument. But what we were able to do, what I was able to do, is show the jury that my client knew the informant was a rat, and therefore he never agreed to anything with him. Now, with all that prison gang evidence, I had to get the jury to say all that evidence doesn't mean there was a conspiracy. 
and we had a great legal team of lawyers. I did that case with uh, my mentor, Carlos Spiga. Shout out to Spiga. He got me involved in the prison gang uh, cases. So it's not just winning. It's about confronting the evidence from the government because they're used to winning, right? In the feds, they have a 98% conviction rate. Yeah. But they're not trial lawyers. They don't go to trial, right? They scare people. Well, we're scrappy state court lawyers, right? We, we go to trial, dog, right? So that case is a case that put me on the map. After that, right? And it's all, it's all word of mouth. So I think lawyers don't realize, this is what I say all the time, is like, look, it used to be 160,000. Now there's 120,000 people in prison, right? So I know that everybody talks. So if your name is bad, you're done. One case, right? So they run my name and they say Rosenberg's good. Wow. So that's my audience right there. 120,000 dudes who are locked up. That's crazy. That's, 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 right? you have to keep your reputation good with that for sure. Now, um, when it comes to balancing your client list, mm-hmm. is that, is that like a situation where you keep it limited per, per, per month or like, obviously you can't take on 50 cases at once. So how does that fluctuate? How do you work with that? So the way I do my cases, I tend to do my cases slowly Um, And there's a reason, there's a trial strategy with that. I try to, I try to wear people down, right? So I can't have 28 murders, right? There was a gang prosecutor. uh, I did a case uh, for a client who was very satisfied when I shut down the wiretap in Ventura. Wow. And what was interesting is that nobody's ever shut down the Ventura wiretap. And they said... After I did that, the cops and the DA changed what they did. So I did a case with a hardcore gang prosecutor. Now they're called Cover Community Violence Reduction. But my prosecutor had 28 gang murders. Okay. Now, if I had a caseload like that, I I can't be effective. So I turn away a lot of cases. I send cases to other lawyers. I feed a lot of lawyers. But the cases I'm looking for are challenging cases. Mm -hmm. So I do keep my caseload low. um, And I also look at what I think, how long will this trial be, right? Is it a 10-day murder? Is it like a three-day, he said, she said, domestic violence? Um, So, and I also, as a private lawyer, this is really fun. So I love my job, right? And I'm, I'm good at my job. Yeah. But... So the public defenders, they have to wait until a case is filed because they get appointed in court, right? Well, as a private lawyer, I can talk to the cop even before they finish their report, right? I can talk to the DA before they file. So being a private lawyer, we have a lot more that we can do to help our clients. And I I shut investigations down all the time. Wow. That's crazy. So you have to be limited. You have to be low key on how many you take on and you have to be calculated with every move that you make because your reputation is just as important as the people you defend. Mm -hmm. That's a very important thing. Um, I was going to ask, 
what would you say was the hardest part of learning what you needed to become an actual attorney? Like, how long did it take you? How, how long was the schooling? And what was the parts, if any, that was like, damn, this is a hump that's a little hard to get over? Or being a gate kid or the, the, you know, the type of mentality that you had in school that you were so good in, did that just get you breezed right past everything? So I took a break from college to law school and I did, you know, community organizing politics. So I was in my first semester of law school with people who just graduated. So we know we're talking about the gym and, and when you kind of let it lag and then you think you can go back to where you were that same level, but you can't. Yeah. So I was kind of out of shape, right? Mm -hmm. So my first semester in law school, I got C's and I couldn't believe it because I got, I'm, I'm a good writer, right? You try to write a philosophy paper. And uh, so a lot of people know my story. Uh, my first wife was a lawyer. She's the one that got me into the law. Mm -hmm. And she told me after my first semester that you need to quote the facts. So in a law school problem, they give you a set of facts and then they tell you uh, what are the issues we have to spot the rule. It's called IRAC, right? Issue, rule, analysis, conclusion. But I was light on the facts. And so she told me, Nicholas, quote the facts. And ever since that, I started getting A's. Wow. So when I first started, I, I wasn't in the game. Damn. It took you some time to actually grasp the whole process of it and learn how to just not have the, the textbook learn, uh, knowledge, but to actually apply the game and the, the, mm -hmm. the tricks of the trade, so to say. That's crazy, man. So <clears throat> how, how does being a criminal defense lawyer help you in your personal life? Like, is there things that you take into your life that you're like, What's that? Usual suspects. Play that's the West. The vest won't work because we aiming at your head. My residents who represent the West side. Usual suspects of West Nest, yes, let's ride. Usual suspects. Play that's the West. The vest won't work because we aiming at your head. Mr. Criminal, you will be on the tag team. He's supposed to fell asleep and walk up from the bedroom. From the West, with them usual suspects. Who up a compass, gang bangers and roughness. Second hustle, making that money like daily the subject. In the back of the homies, wiggle strapped up, ready to bust. Text and what's next? Became a warden of the state. They used to lock us up in cages, running from places we used to congregate. Yeah. If it ain't about them dollar signs, not all my mind will conversate. Don't in Montana, the world is mine. I used to contemplate. Catch me in the S550, chasing this paper, got no time for Since I answer number one, I used to claim it and I dominate. In a city full of drama, gotta dodge the snakes. Lost souls, dodging them demons. <laughs> I never lost the faith. Usual suspects, play to this the West. The vest won't work, cause we aiming at your head. My residents, we represent the West Side. Usual suspects, so what's next? Yes, let's Usual suspects, play to this the West. The vest won't work because we aiming at your head. Mr. Criminal, you'll help you on the tag team. He's supposed to fell asleep. So I wanted to know, and I wanted to ask when it comes to personal life and it comes to your just everyday life, are there principles that you apply from, from what you learn in being in your field of work? That you're like, okay, yeah, this is a principle that I apply to my regular life with friendships, relationships, anything like that? Or is just completely cut and dry and you, there, you separate the two? I'm pretty much on duty 24-7. Okay. So when I'm not in court or writing motions or doing trials, client meetings, I'm going through my DMs, which are all case inquiries, right? I... I put a lot of time into my social media. Yeah. So I'll sit with a little glass of wine 
answering DMs. I put myself out there, oh, right? Yeah. So I like a lot. So I follow 7,500 accounts. Wow. But I actually look at them. You know what I'm saying? So I, I have a lot of info, like the rappers, right? Yeah. I follow them. I see stuff. I, you know, I remember I've got a photographic memory. So I see all this stuff. So I'm always doing that because I'm always building my practice. But as far as personal life, um, you know, you have to keep your word, right? So some people think lawyers, we manipulate people, right? People don't trust lawyers. They say we're shady, we're sneaky. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't use the word manipulation. I use the word persuasion. Okay. And persuasion means I'm offering you a choice and you're selecting based on what you know. That's the power of an advocate, right? That's what lawyers really do. So I offer the judge a reason to do something for me and my client. Okay. And this is a judge who's been a lawyer for a long, long time. And some people don't trust defense lawyers, right? A lot of judges are very pro-prosecutor. A lot of people are pro-prosecutor, right? I get comments all the time. Oh, how can you represent those murderers, those gangsters? We should deport those guys. Uh, we should lock them up. How do you live with yourself? I see. Right? And so the power, the, the real essence of being the lawyer is to advocate. And, you know, in French, the word for lawyer is avocat, okay. right? Um, I forget the word in Italian right now, but it's... Uh, anyway, so... And also, abogado, right? Abogado comes from the verb to advocate. And so, I'm not the one who's facing 50 to life, right? But my client is. So, I have to advocate for my client to try to translate my client's story to a judge who has a tremendous amount of power, right? Or to a jury, which has a tremendous amount of power. So the business that I see myself in is persuasion. It's like politics, right? Wow, that's amazing. Now, would you ever consider when you're done with, with being an attorney or if you ever decide to step down, what's your view on politics? I see that you wrap the, the American mm -hmm. flag on your, on your suit right. proudly. Would that be something that you would ever be interested in, like community work, uh, being like an advocate of, of the community, anything like that? So my role is really more like uh, <clears throat> I'm a nonprofit board member. I operate kind of behind the scenes and I do my community work with uh, Mr. Checkpoint and the initiatives. So I'm more like the guy you want to run you call Rosenberg and I'll, if I like you, if I trust you, I'll bring you into the community. Yeah. And that's, that's more me, right? I don't need to run for office. Um, I, you know, for me, it's like the community is the power, right? Mm -hmm. And so politicians are really good at talking, but people feel manipulated and used, right? But to me, as a lawyer, there's a whole community behind me. And so that's where I operate as far as the politics. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a good question, though. Yeah. So 
I know that you have a, a situation where you got you got thrown in the limelight a lot of times with different cases, but there was a big case that that came up up in Victorville, mm-hmm. and it was a big big situation. I don't know if you're free to speak on it. I don't know if you want to speak on it, but I think that a lot of people in our community were pretty much in an uproar about it, and I think that uh, they got a lot more support than they realized because of of, of their mission. Uh, is there anything you want to speak on on that? Sure. Um, so the first thing I'll say is we we call it the Justice 8. They started out saying Victorville 8, but then it became the Justice 8. I represent Eden, Alex, and Namorado. He's alleged to be the ringleader, the number one, who basically pulled all the strings. Um, so... What's it like to represent Alex? Alex is a community organizer. He's, I've described him, he's like a young Cesar Chavez. He's a visionary. People trust Alex, they believe in him, and they see the work that he does. So now he's being criminalized for standing up for marginalized people, the street vendors. And I don't want to start a whole conversation, but we all remember the videos of seeing the youngsters robbing the street vendors. And that was a big, uh, you know, for the Rasa, that was like a strong, strong feeling. So, you know, what Alex does is, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but Alex has reached out into the Paisa community. Okay. Right? People who are here, who have to make some money and they're able to make food in their kitchen and go out there on the street, but they're vulnerable. So when people have come down on them, Alex and the group, I don't say protest, I say demonstrators. Protest is a word used by the government to marginalize people. So these are the activists, right? The activistas, these are demonstrators. These are people assembling and showing people in power and in the community that they won't stand for that. So that's who Alex is. Right now, legally, they're all being held without bail. And we've litigated this uh, three or four times. If you're interested on my page at Attorney Rosenberg, I do community updates uh, where I talk about what happened in court and I try to explain the legal issues So people, we have about 50 people who come to the courthouse out in Victorville. Um, And just so you know, tomorrow I have court at 8.30 in the morning for Alex. um, And I'm filing a motion to get into the police officer's personnel files. We call that a pitches motion. And I'll give you the teaser. Tomorrow I'm dropping a bomb on the cops. And I'll give a community update Uh, after court but basically we caught them lying and we're gonna expose their informants without jeopardizing the informant so it's like a huge huge thing in the case so the community rightfully feels outrage that they're all being held without bail and i get a lot of people saying this guy's a rapist he's got 500,000 bail why isn't alex out And the reason is, you know, the last judge was not willing to put his name on the issue of letting them out with terms and conditions. So we now 
have to go take out a writ, W-R-I-T, which means we're asking another set of judges to look at what the judges in the Victorville Superior Court have done, and we're in the process uh, of doing that. So this case has been... I've learned a lot on this case. Now, I've been to Victorville before. I've done a bunch of cases out there. I've actually done cases with RDA. I did a major... Major crimes are the high publicity cases, so I did one with him. I know who he is, um, and I got a great deal for that other client. But in this case, it's like every single move is being watched. And the people who want to marginalize the vendors, they say the right-wing conservatives, uh, you know, they've mentioned the mayor of Fontana as being part of this as a conspiracy to shut Alex and the people down. So there are all these kind of intersecting trajectories in the case. But as a lawyer, I try to focus on the legal issue. And I really thought I had the judge poised to grant Alex bail. And then at the last minute, he said, no change in circumstances. Therefore, I don't have to reach the question of bail. So he basically said, you guys can take out a writ and let another judge do it. So I slightly misread my judge, but we're we're still fighting. Wow. So that's kind of this the West. The best won't work because we aim in at your end. Residents who represent the West side. Usual suspects, so what's next? Yes, let's ride. Usual suspects. Play this the West. The best won't work because we aim in at your end.
Man, we having technical difficulties, but we back. So you were in the middle of uh, giving giving the the update of what's going on up there. If you want to keep going, sure. So, um, the co-defendants, there are eight. One of them was released, and now he has a misdemeanor. But the hardcore, the seven who are facing no bail, and no bail means there's no amount of money that will get you out. Wow. That's what no bail means. Yeah. As opposed to, like, zero bail, which means you're released on your own recognizance, right? Yeah. I promise to appear. So... They're charged with conspiracy. Now, this is a very interesting legal issue um, that I'm going to try to break it down so everybody can catch the pass. Got it. So nine or 12 of the 16 counts that Alex is charged with happened in Pomona, Los Angeles County. But three happened in San Bernardino County, Victorville. So if you're asking yourself, Rosenberg, how can the Victorville courthouse prosecute all those charges from Pomona? Then, you know, you should go to law school, right? Because that's, that's an issue. And so the answer that the prosecutor's relying on is a statute called uh, Penal Code 781. And what it talks about is for conspiracies, if there's overt acts that happen in another county, any county in the state could be uh, have jurisdiction. So, but what we're trying to do, what I'm still trying to do is try to shut that down. I want to move the case to LA where we have Gascon, right? And we'll probably get a more favorable deal. So right now we're, we're beefing over this. So the lawyers, you know, we've been trading blows. Our preliminary hearing, I think we went to court five times. And, you know, it's just like, like those medieval fights, right? So we have eight of us up there trying to shut them down. They have two district attorneys. They have all their cops. By now, like, I'm good with all the cops because all these detectives show up in the front row. And, you know, it's kind of intimidating. A lot of community members feel intimidated by it. Um, So the vibe in the courtroom is that if something bad happens, the community members are there and they'll go, what? Or they'll, you know, and when Alex was denied bail uh, on the second of three bail hearings, he yelled out saying child molesters get bail. This is unfair. And the crowd was, uh, you know, reacting and the judges order in the court, the bailiffs come. Um, so one, one of the observers is Mr. Checkpoint. So Checkpoint basically is kind of like covering me doing the case. So he's making his platform available so people can tune in. Um, so Checkpoint said, Rosenberg, I knew the judge was going to deny bail when I walked in and we had 10 deputy sheriffs. So you've got about 40 or 50 people, community members, the whole front row are detectives. And normally there's one bailiff with eight co-defendants, seven co-defendants. You might have one or two other deputies. But when we walked in, there were 10. In other words, they were expecting an outburst. I see. So I was still, you know, I'm an optimist. I believe I'm a very formal lawyer in court. I'm very deferential because I worked for the judges. That's that's how I practice law. And I, like I said, I thought we were going to get a different result. We could get Alex out. Now, the issue is, is as a lawyer, you can't have emotions. 
So you lose. Okay. So you still say, thank you, your honor. Right. Talk to my client. Um, talk to the bailiff, put my client in the attorney room so I can talk to Alex after court, explain what happened, explain what we can do about it now. Right. So, and then what I do with Alex is I say, what do you want me to tell the community? Because I'm the one who can speak for him now. Cause he, you know, if he had gotten bail, he wouldn't have had access to social media. They would have made that a term. But ironically, by keeping him in, the government's making him a martyr. And he can do a call from the jail and do a post. So what's happening is, is that the community has lost its leader. And there's division happening. And Alex has me talk about those issues with his people because it's not just the 40 people who go to court who drive you know two hours to victorville uh and can take a day of work off to come to court but it's the thousands of people you know since i've done this case a lot of different people say hey hey rosenberg you you represent alex huh and they're like we like what you're doing man good luck right so alex is one of the most amazing clients that I have and the relationship that we have as the attorney and the client, you know, I represent the team captain. So I have to be the team captain uh, of the legal team, right? That's, that's just how we roll. So it's a very interesting case. We have court tomorrow and I am going to be dropping this bombshell. Uh, as they say, tune in, tune in tomorrow and let's see what happens but we're pushing back we're pushing back on this thing yeah um and you know the law on conspiracy conspiracy is a very interesting charge because all they have to prove is an agreement to commit a crime and one overt act so i think we have 12 overt acts uh in this case and like I said, most of them are in Pomona. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. I've seen it on social media a couple times. Obviously, a lot of times because I follow you. But I didn't understand the case. I truly didn't. So you just educated me. I had no clue. You know, we get so caught up in, in our own hustle and what's going on. I, I get so tunnel vision with life that I didn't really know what was going on. I knew it was something going on that was similar. I mean, I'm not going to say I was living under a rock, but I didn't know the details of the case like mm -hmm. that. So thank you for giving us a... An update like that. Uh, do you feel like do you feel like a case like that would be harder to fight than like your average criminal defense situation? Well, I mean, no bail traditionally was for we would say special circumstance murders. In other words, murders where it's death penalty eligible or life without parole. Right. The California Constitution says basically no bail. Mm -hmm. There's a case that came out, which is called In Ray Humphrey. People say Humphreys, but it's In Ray Humphrey, just to let you know. Um, and what that case talks about is if you set bail above the amount that a defendant can pay, it's effectively no bail. So it's a case that the public defenders did. And in that case, they set bail at 300000 He couldn't afford it. So the Humphrey court said, look, 
You have to take into account the defendant's ability to pay, and you have to do an analysis to see if there are less restrictive means to guarantee the defendant's appearance in court and the safety of the public and the victims. So that all sounds good, right? Like many things in criminal law, there's there's a dark side. So the judges now use that case to say, well, I'm not going to set cash bail and I'm concerned about public safety. So I'm now going to say no bail. So the idea of reforming cash bail has led to the abuse of this no bail. And that's exactly what the Justice 8 are facing right now you know alex has been reading books he he did 10 days in the hole and i've talked about this he was in a cell that was four feet by eight feet and he's supposed to get one hour out of his cell but if they bring you out in the morning then the shift they can wait the next day at night so he's been when he was in the hole he had 36 hours one time without getting out of a cell. So he's been, and that's a condition of confinement issue. Uh, this is on, on my Instagram, but he's been reading books. So he told me he's reading about the New York 21. These were black Panthers in the sixties who were held without bail facing multiple conspiracy charges based upon their political beliefs. And he's reading about the East LA 13, which was obviously in East LA, similar idea, conspiracies for uh, activism. And he told me, Rosenberg, it's happening again. So that's this case. A lot of people have said the future of free speech, political activism, this case threatens to shut that down. So it's really, I think everyone should be following what happens on this case wow i think uh i think uh the fact that you've taken this on is a heavy responsibility i think the communities are watching and i think that at the end of the day you have a good heart because at the end of the day without emotions being involved you start taking on a lot of responsibility with this that affects a lot of people's lives so so shout out to you for for you know defending what you believe in is the right thing to do now when it comes to you as a human being, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people get when they see you on Instagram and they see you in these fly suits and defending, uh, you know, criminals, so to say? What do you think is the biggest misconception that people judge from the outside looking in on social media? Well, so the first thing I'll say, I say the word criminally accused. Mm-hmm. Um, I know your name is criminal. I'm curious how you got that name, Crime Family uh, Entertainment. You know, you kind of embrace embrace it um but you know what's funny about social media and comments i really feel people are talking about themselves so when i use that lens a lot of people say rosenberg how'd you get that outcome your client snitched and my reaction to that is unfortunately they haven't seen a lawyer do a good job and they assume that the only way someone's going to get a dismissal is because they snitch. So when I see that, that's not the, excuse me, the energy that I want on my page. Most of it is Rosenberg, much love, fam. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're standing up uh, for the people, the Pueblo, the Rasa. So 
I think some people get that wrong. Um, and, you know, I mean, people, you know, people talk trash, right? So people say, oh, I don't trust a lawyer with a Gucci tie, whatever it is. But I know that my clients, they want to see Rosenberg G'd up. Damn. Right? Drop the mic on them, homie. Yeah. <laughs> they do. That's dope. Because I'm the guy they're sitting next to at trial. Representing. Right? I'm the guy who I'm embracing my client and and they're a lot of my clients are looking at life in prison wow so let's let's switch it up and i want to ask because i know that you enjoy the fruits of your labor i know that you enjoy music you enjoy the hollywood uh you know industry i want to know what is your favorite thing to do in the pastime what do you like to do when you're in your pastime and you're away from everything all all away from being uh you know in the courtroom what do you like to do so I, uh, I'll answer in Spanish, right? Yo era cocinero. So I'm a cook. Okay. And I've been cooking since I was 15 uh, in the restaurants, and that's how I learned my Spanish. That's beautiful. Right? So the guys, you know, I, I've told this before, but my first word, they pointed to the knife, and they said, peligroso. And then they pointed to the oven, and they said, caliente. And that's how it was. So, you know, I had to work at the age of 13. Um, So I like to cook. So after court and everything, right, I cook garlic, chilies. I cook spicy, kind of Asian, Italian fusion. Um, You know, I've made tamales before. So that's how I unwind, you know, glass of wine, relax, kind of the European lifestyle. I'm not a fast food guy. I'm a slow food. Nowadays, they call it being a foodie. The words that we used to use, you know, gourmet, gourmand, epicure. Those are the words that that I use to describe that. So that's what I like to do in my free time. Oh, yeah. And how did you get into the love of the Chicano rap game? Because I see that you navigate and gravitate more towards this lifestyle and this type of music. What got you your foot into that area? So I... I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? Um, I started doing gang cases when I was in juvenile as a public defender, and I really did a deep dive on it. And it's just kind of like, you know, when one thing happens and then the next door opens and then you're ready for the next thing that happens, right? So I I told the story um, of how me and Conejo got together. So it was, he got out February 2018, and it was around October when the tax collector came up. Yeah. So I was on Alex Alonso's page, and I saw this thing, the movie, Tax Collector, and I was like, what? I was like, are these fools following me around? You know what I'm saying? So I made a comment, and Conejo saw the comment, and he got at me. And we just kind of started like that. And he invited me to the show. So remember, when the homies call, so I went to the show. So I was in the front row uh, at the Conejo show. Yeah. And he asked me, how much do you know about Conejo? And I was like, I know the name, but I'm not the master. I mean, his catalog is, what, 130 albums, right? So I can't say, yeah, dog, I've been with you since day one. But we developed this relationship, and people know I did his case. I got him off his joint suspension, and I got that expunged. 
So Conejo is one of the people that really introduced me to the music and the acting side. Got it. So that's, you know, shout out uh, to the big dog. But through that, it just became like a natural fit because of the culture, the lifestyle. Um, and I think that, you know, as a lawyer, I also do non-gang cases, right? I had a lady come in today. Um, so she had a claim for travel insurance and she won in small claims court. And now the Department of Insurance is trying to criminalize her. So 20 agents showed up at her door with the battle ram and they took all her computers and all her papers. So when you're a criminal practitioner, you know, we have to do it all. But I have a lot of love for the homies. I just can't even describe it. I can't explain it. So that's how I kind of got into uh, what I do. Like, like when you invited me for the video. Yeah. Right? It kind of made sense. Hell yeah. Right? And that was fun. And I'll give shout out to King Little G, uh, America's Most Wanted. It's America's Most. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I got. I like That's that right. song. Shot by Street Visuals, my son. And we all had yeah. a good time shooting it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you showed up. You were G'd up with another with a darker blue suit. Yeah. And you came, you came in uh, smashing the game. So I think that it was an amazing thing to see your love and, and your passion and your happiness for being there. Because I could tell you were genuinely had mm -hmm. good energy being on set. Um, yeah, man, it's dope, bro. I like being able to chop it up with real people. Real people that have been through different struggles of life, different, different victories of life. And to see that you've had your foot and your heart into this game and defending people and doing everything that you've been doing for all these years, it's amazing, bro. So I want to give you flowers for what you do. No, I appreciate it. Like I say, um, people have said I'm very humble. And, you know, I think I just try to keep it real, right? People... Yeah. So today, I'll tell you what, today was memory lane day. So okay. I called, uh, so I started in the Valley. My first neighborhood was BVN and Pacoima. So really the Pacoima dudes, they, you know, I, I did a bunch of cases with them. And uh, if you know, uh, little boy, Jorge Lopez, RIP, October 14th, 2014. But he, he put me on the map. He's the one that said, hey, Rosenberg, he's the champ. And so he used to like promote me. Um, and so I called the people that started me out in 2011. Just for some reason, I just reached out and I haven't heard from them in years. And you know, when you kind of tell your origin story. So today I was telling the origin story and connecting with the people when I was a young a lawyer who I didn't start in LA, right? Most of the lawyers were here, they're TAs. And then, so I was like this outsider, but I'm an LA native. So it was like, I was coming back home, right? So I've just been blessed, bro. It's not, you know, suertado. It's just a path. That's dope. I think it's a path, right? Hell yeah. I think it's amazing to see you connected with the people because just keeping it real from the outside looking in, you wouldn't look like someone that would be connected with Rasa and homies. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that you've been embraced, you're right here, you're 10 toes down, and you speak more Spanish than some of the homies that, that have been out here in the calles their whole life. So I think that it's amazing to see that, homie. So hats off to you. Uh, you could tell you have a real passion and a love for what you do. 
and you could tell you have a good heart. And at the end of the day, those things, all three things mix, will always take you to a level that that you're supposed to be at. And I think that uh, you're definitely walking a path that was set out for you, straight up. No, I appreciate that. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So I want to know before we get up off of here, if you have any messages for the people, if there's anything that you want to spread the word, if you want anybody to know, um, this is the time, bro. This sure. is your time to shine. So I have some shout outs. Um, a lot of people know that right now, Prime. Yeah. Who's, uh, you know, everyone knows Prime, Prime Entertainment. Uh, so he's my manager now. Okay. So he handles my branding, my bookings, everything. So we're doing big things, and I'm allowed to announce that I'm starting a podcast. It's going to be, it doesn't have to only be the law. Okay. Right. So we're going to, you're going to see another side of uh, Rosenberg uh, coming through. And, you know, there's projects. So I've been doing a lot with the music as an investor, as a sponsor. I try to give back to the community yeah. that has shown me love. And I think that, you know, stay tuned. Uh, big things are happening. In my opinion, you know, the and you know they say the word latino market uh however you want to say that but the future of entertainment is there so the way i see it um you know in 10 years like you see what eva did right with the movie flaming hot right yeah yeah, yeah for sure so in other words the community the culture won't have to go outside to tell its own story okay that's where I think this whole thing, that's why we're here in LA, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the magic of here versus say, we're having this conversation in Ohio, right? Straight up. So this is, you know, like what you're doing with the entertainment, you did a film, you do the music, you got the merch, you're raising awareness and consciousness and people are tuning in on it. That's, that's what this is all about. Straight up. To me. So, um, we got that, and I've seen the. Oh, I, I was telling. Uh, I just say, baby girl, uh, la esposa. But you know, I, I wore one of your shirts like four years ago. I don't know if you've seen it, but w the guy who's doing the dogs, the kennels, he sent me two shirts. So I repped a criminal shirt. I uh, remember. It's at the bottom. You know, like what I mean. It's at the bottom of my posts. Yeah. But yeah, you days. know. So I repped the gear. And I try to, you know, for me, it's like a different look, right? Like Rosenberg, he's wearing a Reverie t-shirt, right? Because I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, to be involved as a supporter. I'm a supporter. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope, man. Well, much love to you, and I appreciate you repping the merch. I appreciate you being a part of this whole organization that we have called Chicano Rap and supporting homies and doing what you do, bro. Because at the end of the day, I think that... We need more support. We need more people on the outside looking in that, that show support because a lot of people keep us in a box. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of talent out here. There's so many different artists. There's so many different actors, tattoo artists, uh, producers, uh, different people that, that, that add to this culture that I feel like it's only amount of time, um, in a matter of time, until people give them their proper dues. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day right now, we are the minority in this thing called entertainment. Mm -hmm. So we will eventually break free and our stories need to be told. And I think that it's amazing that people like you are behind us, supporting it, sponsoring it, helping the the the, the people that are on the, the other side of the fence 
all the way to right here, homie. So mm -hmm. support to you. Shout out to everything that you do. Uh, I give you my flowers straight up. And uh, we appreciate having you out here defending the, the, the West Coast straight up. All right. Southern California. God, much love, my boy. Hell and yeah. I'll just end it with uh, Nicholas Rosenberg, Crime Film, Crime Family Entertainment, The Big Dog Criminal. Blessed to be on the show. Punching back. Straight up. Hey, you know how it goes down. That was a, that was that was classic. And before we get up out of here, I want to give props to everybody out there that's been supporting. We have definitely been off for a few weeks. The algorithm is definitely back down, but we are on our way back up. No matter what, I'm giving my word right now. We're gonna keep on smashing this. No matter what, we're gonna come straight back up to the top. We're gonna be having 500 to 1,000 people in the lives every single day. And I appreciate you guys on our off time, our peak time, every single time. Much love to everybody that showed uh, patience with the with the battery situation tonight. Unfortunately, we just had a couple little rough spots, but it still was a good podcast. And I think thank everybody for tapping in and showing love and being true supporters because that's what we need. We need the true supporters that are there through thick and thin. So before we get up out of here, I want to give props to everybody. I believe in everybody's belief. I support and respect everybody's belief, but I got to keep it real with myself. Father God, I come to you tonight to thank you for another blessed day, another blessed journey, another blessed guest that we have that we consider family right here. Our brother, uh, Attorney Rosenberg, straight up, that, that that he's always supported us and supported our podcast. We thank every single person out there in the crime family that's supporting this podcast, watching, subscribing, and tapping in, even when we have last-minute promotions or whatever it is. We thank everybody that's part of the, the, the whole family. We thank Baby Girl. We thank Critical. We thank uh, Villain. Big Temps, everybody that's been tapping in and showing true support behind the scenes. And we just thank you for keeping us aligned with your with whatever you want us to do and be. You're planning our life, and we just ask that you keep your hand and guide every single person out there tonight that's watching, supporting, and being a part of this. And God bless everybody. Amen. Straight All right. Up. Hey, so that's what it is, man. We appreciate you tapping in, big dog. Serio. Serio. What's your favorite Spanish word? I really Same. love the word palabra. Okay. Why is that? Uh, it means so many things to so many people. That's true. But, you know, I mean, people are surprised when I throw out the slang. Yeah. And, you know, I do it to kind of keep it real because they don't know. They say Rosenberg. You know, I always say this, right? How did a nice Jewish boy from the West Side get in this position, right? Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's all love, bro. That's dope. Could you could you give us could you give us any? Let me see. Before we go, I want to know your most uh, oh, yeah. dopest line in Spanish that you've ever learned that you like spitting. So the line. This is one of my favorite lines. Okay. Um, so I say, "Mis ojos son más claro que tú piensas." There you go. Right. Damn. So there's the road. But Dave Ayer, he's he's got the best Spanish. Yeah, he does. He's got fabulous Spanish. Yeah. Man. Oh, and shout out to Beekeeper, still number one film in America, breaking records. That's dope. Yeah. Shout out to David Ayer, man. He's a real one. And I've seen him right there on set, set talking to people, chopping it up, giving the whole instructions of the film in Spanish. It blows my yeah. mind. Yeah, it's crazy, man. What, what's your favorite? Before we go, I want a few more questions. Yeah. Give me your, your top five rappers that are alive. I want to know who, who Attorney Rosenberg likes. Well, I mean, if I'm in the video, that's my big dog, right? <laughs> that's right. So, um, you know, like I said, I 
I can't listen to all the stuff, but obviously, you know, Baldi, that's the big dog, Conejo, obviously Criminal. Um, you know, I mean, like Gangster L, right? Money Don't Sleep. Yeah. Uh, he did back with the stay, stay with the stainless. Yeah. And that's with uh, Conejo and Baldacci. I was blessed to meet the the dogs from uh, Effort Records. Okay. Shout okay. out to Baldacci. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, I was in the riots in 92. Okay. And I oh, remember. Shit. That's a whole different. Topic. I remember when, uh, you know, NWA first came out and it was controversial and shocking. And now. You know, you play gin and juice at the football game. That's crazy, right? So, you know, I'm always going to have love for the L.A. rappers that we grew up with, right? That's dope. And I look forward to seeing those collaborations because it's about the music and the culture. That's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, that's my my answer. So what? But, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to say too much, but, you know, we can speak on suede. You know, that was that was a very cool cat, man. I much love for Suede, R.I.P. Um, and as I've said, I'm not going to solve what happened. Um, but, you know, I'm going to be speaking on it. Put it that way. Put a little teaser out there. Okay. That's what's up. That's fair. Now, what were you doing in the riots, homie? Throwing rocks? What were you up to? <laughs> running, so out, running out of circus I'll, I'll tell you my riot story. Come on. Uh, we ain't done yet. <laughs> so this was kind of like when I was in the hanging out with the film school guys at Art Center. The, okay. the, the era was making music videos, right? Okay. That's what everybody wanted to do. So I had long hair, and we used to rock like the Carhartt overalls, white T-shirt. You know, I wore Chippewa boots, kind of like on the artistic hipster tip. And so I was getting, I had a 61, uh, Ford Ranchero that needed some body work, so the homie and uh, Alhambra did it. So we, me and the guys, decided to go to Felipe's. Right, so uh, April 29th, nineteen ninety-two. It was about four o'clock. We were sitting there having a sandwich and a beer, and all of a sudden, Mayor Bradley comes on TV, and he says, "You know, you remember Mayor Bradley? Yeah, hell yeah." Um, so he's very kind of serious, and he says, "You know, the verdict has come out." And I'm urging everybody to be calm. And then they showed like Parker Center. So we were like, what, five blocks away? So we said, fuck it, dog. Let's go down there. <laughs> so we walked down there. And this was the old Parker Center before, you know, they, they have the new chief. of Which my office, by the way, I can see uh, the chief of police, uh, LAPD headquarters. So what it was was a phalanx of about 12 cops. And they're like all, you know shoulder distance apart and they're standing in front and they're kind of daring the crowd and so at the time i was dating a playwright who wrote a play called august 29th about reuben salazar okay if you remember that incident where the sheriffs killed him with a tear gas canister at the bar okay. in east la so i knew the chicano uh actors and there was a guy from culture clash if, do you remember Culture Fox Class? Fox 11. Yeah, okay, so Culture Class, Richard Montoya. Okay. Okay, so he knew me. We, we kind of, you know, I was that in was the like scene. That was like the Chicano in Living Color. So I saw Richard Montoya in the crowd. So it's like slow motion, right? Adrenaline. And then I see Richard Montoya, and he recognizes me. And we had just a little moment. Like, this is 
this is gonna be big this is bigger than us so basically you know the homies started taking the newspaper machines and trash cans and throwing them in windows and we were just running we were just one block away from the cops damn so i was right there dog so then later i went down to the 70s uh and i took pictures you guys should see my riot photos okay they're uh you know little white boy down there in the hood 187 on a cop fuck lapd black owned business and i'm sitting taking pictures dog damn right documenting the whole shit yeah so anyway we could talk about the riots forever that's crazy bro that's crazy right but that's rosenberg's riot moment right really you really are crime family (laughs) hey that's crazy homie did you ever think that it was going to be as big as it was because it got no, huge. No, because I forget how many days, but you know, at the time I was living in a building called Park La Brea. Yeah. If you know that, the like the tall buildings, you know, West Side near Gardner yeah. Park. Uh-huh. Now they call it Pan Pacific. We used to call it Gardner Park. Yeah. So I'm on the roof and you just see the yellow and orange embers mm. and they're just everywhere. Wow. Right. And it's quiet out and it's hot and there's smoke in the air. So, yeah. Got real quick. That's crazy, man. I think at the end of the day, uh, we need, if you got someone in your corner that's a lawyer, you need someone that's been through the thick of it. And it sounds like you've been through it all, man. So, no, from, the tenderloins, from the tenderloins to South Central LA, you've been there. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Flowers to you, homie. Next time, I'll tell you my football stories. Okay. Hell yeah. What, yeah. you used to play for the Rams or what? No, no, no. So I started... No, no, I'm talking about uh, football. So we were in 3A. Okay. So we played uh, Jordan, Washington, Norbon, Jefferson. We played... Those are the schools that we played. Fairfax. Got it. Venice High. We played Venice. So I started fullback, and you'd be surprised, offensive and defensive line, because I had heart. So I would... You know, they used to triple team me, dog. Right, but I was like ready to you go, you know. So, you know, football teaches you a lot about what it means to be like a warrior, right? Because you, you just gotta play ball. You have no choice. Yeah. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. So you have it all. I'm blessed, bro. So are you, by the way. And Absolutely. I wanna shout out and acknowledge that you're uh Esposa, you guys are really such a good team. Thank you. You know, I see that. that. That's important. Yeah, it is. You got to have your, your your rib at your side at all times. Mm-hmm. I believe in that heavily. Shout out to baby girl. Yeah. yeah. And so, she's always been very uh, welcoming for me, which I appreciate. That's dope. And like I said before, you know, you're, you're like a happy guy. Yeah. And it's kind of, I said it's kind of against type because, yeah. you know, you want to be the gangster. So we, we talked about that. What what was your reaction to that? I don't think that there is there is any type of you can't put a template on this lifestyle. And I'm gonna be real with all that all that tough guy shit aside, I'm happy, bro. I'm happy mm-hmm. because God's blessed me with the second, third, fourth, fifth chance in life. I could be one of the people that you're representing on the other side. For all the all the things that I've witnessed, seen in my life, it's uh it would be cowardly of me to continue to act like I'm unhappy. Or hard or some super thug when at the end of the day I know the blessings God's given me. And it says in the Bible, uh, I will humble the man that ex- that uh, exalts himself and the man that exalts himself 
will be humbled and I will I will exalt the man that humbles himself. Mm-hmm. And ever since I read read that Bible verse, I, I can never be the same. And mm-hmm. at time as human beings, sometimes we let our ego get the best of us. Sometimes as human beings we speak a little tougher and we think that, you know, nothing can stop us, but everything that, that's not true. Life life will humble you and sometimes you have to read the room and look at life and say, nah, it ain't worth it. Sometimes these battles ain't worth it. Sometimes fighting the next man ain't worth it. Sometimes speaking up and trying to always be that person is just not worth it. And I've seen too many people lose their freedoms, lose their lives, lose everything to try to be that type, so to say. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm good on this side, big dog. Right. I'm good. No, as they say, I see you. Yeah, hell yeah. And I hope everybody still does, man. And at the end of the day, as long as God does, that's all that matters to me. Right. Straight up. And, I mean and I'll, I'll give a shout out to the numbers. Yeah. The numbers. Yeah. It's about the numbers now. Yeah, it is. And that's right? why that's why it's important to stay on top of this shit. Because at times, if you're not working hard for what you do, like I said, the numbers will backslide and mm-hmm. be like, nah, homie, you ain't been on your grind. You ain't been live for three weeks. We got to pull off and we got to do that. Bringing awareness. And at the end of the day, everybody's out here really grinding. So you got to go for longevity, persistence, consistency, and don't stop on your mission. Straight mm-hmm. up. You hit that stride and you got to keep going. You don't hit that stride and then say, I'm going to go sit down for three weeks. And that's basically what I did. I was hitting that stride and I said, hell yeah, we smashing, we smashing. Now let's go to Vegas for two weeks. Right. You don't do that. You hit that stride and you keep pushing. You keep going hard. You don't mm-hmm. stop. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's, that's what it's all about. And the numbers definitely are there. We hit 4.4 million, 4. 4 million this month, 11,000 subscribers. So I'm very proud of that. And we're going to double it up next month, straight up. The numbers, it's just all love, bro. It's people who want to tune in and see what's criminal got today. It's amazing. And I'm humbled by it and I'm thankful by it. And I'm thankful that we have anybody at any time that wants to tap in. And that's just what it is, man. Much love to everybody out there. Straight up. Hell yeah. And that's it, man. God bless everybody. You know what it is. Much love and respect. As Baby Girl says, hard work and dedication. Shout out to June. Shout out to El Dro, uh, Cynthia. Uh, everybody that's been in the chat nonstop, all day, every day. Much love and respect to Attorney Rosenberg. Go ahead and give him a follow at Attorney Rosenberg on Instagram. And much love and respect to everybody out there. God bless. And we out of here. Wes. <laughs>